Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Theme Park Podcast. I'm Tom, and once again, you're joining me from my hotel room in sunny Salou, Spain. And it's time for another dispatch from Porta Ventura. The main reason that I have come all the way out here, I say all the way out here, it was a pleasant two-hour flight, if that, earlier in the week, if you listen to the first dispatch yesterday, then you'll know that already. If you're here for the first time, then hello. Do go back and listen to yesterday's dispatch because that's where I broke down my first day at Porta Ventura and I didn't cover too many of the same bases on day two. I mostly concentrated on rides that I didn't get done on day one. So that's what I'm going to talk about here. But fear not, there will be a full exhaustive trip report podcast with Josh in the week's to come but yeah let's just dive straight in i guess so once again i got there for rope drop i did find it to be busier at rope drop at least than it was on the first day even though my limited pre-trip research did suggest that thursday was actually one of the busier days of the week and friday surprisingly to me i must say was apparently not too bad but it seemed like it was the other way around at least so far as rope drop crowds were getting in for just before 10am, which is official park opening. To be fair though, I didn't have too bad of an experience so far as wait times today. It wasn't it wasn't terrible. Now, part of that, of course, is because I just was concentrating on a fairly limited number of rides. I knew the ones that I really wanted to prioritise that I hadn't got done on day one and obviously I was coming in knowing where everything was and just having a better understanding of the most efficient ways to get around the park because for a newcomer it's pretty hard to navigate it's quite difficult to find your way around and uh, I had a paper map today as well which also helped me sort of jog my memory when needed as to uh, where I should go to get to certain rides so I started today with Furious Backhoe which I think is probably the kind of the biggest coaster that I didn't get done on day one. So I, I got Shambhala done on day one. I got Dragon Khan done on day one. But Furious Backo is one I hadn't managed to do. This thing is probably the first ride you're going to come upon when you come into the park. It's in the kind of opening Mediterranean-themed section just on the right. And this is a launched winged coaster I think it's got a reputation for being a bit rough. I actually found it pretty much fine. And uh, there have been coasters in the not too distant past that I have found incredibly rough. There were a couple at Movie Park Germany last summer that really rubbed me the wrong way. But Furious Backo I found perfectly, perfectly fine so far as roughness went. But goodness me, uh, they do like their speed on their coasters here because I think... <laughs> Coming into this trip, the fastest coaster I'd ever been on was, uh, I think, Silverstar at Europa Park in Germany. And I topped that three times in the two days at Porta Ventura. I topped it on day one with uh, Red Force, I think it was called, at Ferrari Land. And also with Shambhala, which both go north of 80 miles per hour. And uh, so does Furious Backo. This thing goes 0 to 84 in just over three seconds. Uh, to start you off and it's longer than I thought as well I for some reason 
was thinking, oh, is this kind of like the launch is the gimmick, a bit like Iron Force or whatever it's called, Red Force. And then there's not much more to it after that initial launch. But there actually was, to be fair. There was a, a, an inversion, a corkscrew, and there was also a nice uh, bank of track that went over the kind of central lagoon at the front of the park, which was which was quite nice. Some Some good photo opportunities there one of which uh, you can find in the Twitter thread that I will put in the show notes. Uh, there was also a bit of story at the very, very beginning. There seemed to be like some kind of engineer guy who was doing an experiment he probably shouldn't have been doing, and it's implied it was all in Spanish, I don't know. Uh, it was implied that he was at fault for your train blasting off at high speed. And then there was a monkey. There was a monkey at the end. I don't know, it's not a real monkey, but there was a monkey. I don't know what the monkey's deal was, but there was a monkey there. So, uh, yeah, a bit of quote-unquote storytelling to go with Furious Bacco, but not something that I really recognised or or understood. Uh, in terms of other rides that I got done today that I didn't do on day one, there was Hurricane Condor. So this is a, a drop tower. It's hard to miss. It's one of the tallest rides in the park. 285 feet tall and uh, this is uh, one that takes you to the very top pretty slowly uh, just in the normal sitting position there are uh, four I think it's a collection of fours so it's there's uh, four people per uh, what would you call them I don't know <laughs> seats there's like there's like rows of four going around the uh outside of the drop tower and and they kind of drop them one by one so that's kind of cool so you kind of get like uh screaming in installments you know just as one scream is getting towards the bottom and you can't quite hear it anymore another one goes and then another one goes and then you go uh, at least that's what it was for me today we were the last to drop and it's it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Like, it's been a while since I did an outright drop tower like this. Obviously, uh, Doctor Doom, for example, Islands of Adventure, it's more about the ascent than the descent. Uh, tower of Terror, of course, is um, is up and down, up and down. Uh, a straight-up drop tower is something I've not done for a while. And uh, this actually felt like it got um, quicker and quicker and then also broke uh, incredibly late. Like, it hit the brakes at just about the last possible second whether or not it does it certainly feels that way which i guess is uh is a check in the column of hey good job hurricane condor it makes you feel like hey we probably should have stopped by now and it goes past that just long enough before it actually does stop so yeah it's good i mean it's not as terrifying as falcon's fury at bush gardens it's not as tall as that and it also doesn't do that disgusting maneuver where it rotates you to look straight down at the ground but hey it's probably still among the the more terrifying rides at the park and, and there was a girl who got off like, i mean she can't have been older than 13 14 who was literally shaking uh, so that was quite amusing if uh, if i'm being honest uh other new rides for me today, there was Stampeda, which is a dueling racing wooden coaster in the far west section of the park. Uh, this one was pretty good. I got on the front row, uh, more by luck than judgment, I think. And I picked the red side rather than the blue side, thinking, oh, well, you know, the Premier League may have gone to the blue team. Maybe maybe it's a, a red team's turn to 
to, to take victory, but alas, the blue side won. I did enjoy this one. I, I didn't think it was quite as good as the one at Efteling. There's a, exactly the same kind of ride there, dueling, racing, wooden coaster. Uh, this one I didn't think was quite as good. But again, like um, Furious Baco, I, I'd read that this was pretty rickety. And to be fair, I, I didn't find it too bad so far as wooden coasters go. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not it's not smooth as butter by any means. It is a wooden coaster. But I didn't think it was too bad. And I didn't come off like with uh, chattering teeth or, or a terrible headache, which, uh, you know, the worst wooden coasters are absolutely capable of. So... I was I was relatively relaxed about this one, uh, and then yeah, in terms of other new stuff, I, I did Sesame Street Mission or Street Mission, I think it's called. Which I mean, I said I think on yesterday's dispatch that I'm endlessly impressed by Sesame Street lands at theme parks. I feel like wherever you go that has a Sesame Street land, the Sesame Street land is always really well done, whether it's kind of a full on full-scale area of the park like in SeaWorld or Busch Gardens or or a far smaller dedicated area maybe with just one ride like um, there's a Sesame Street ride at Universal Singapore for example which I remember being pretty good for what it was and uh, whilst the whole Sesame Street land is is excellent here at Port Aventura I didn't anticipate doing any of the rides because they all looked you know very kid-friendly very fairground-esque uh, but I totally missed Street Mission uh, on day one. It's kind of tucked away a little bit, right towards the back of the land. You even have to kind of go in and out the other side of the train station. There's a train that goes all the way around the park, and there's a station in Sesame Street land. You even have to go through that, and it's tucked away right at the back. It's quite a new ride, actually. I think it only opened in 2019. And I guess if you want to be reductive, it's basically a Toy Story mania. It's that kind of ride. You're going from room to room, each one with a, a 3D screen. You've got 3D glasses on and you're, you're picking out targets in the environment, score points. The difference with this one is that you are hunting for cookies. The setup is that is Grover, I think, is a private eye. And again, all the narratives in Spanish, so I didn't really get much more of it than that. But that's probably all that you really need to know. And you are hunting for cookies. So you don't have a gun, uh, it, you won't be surprised to hear. But I will say that uh, the thing that the 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 tool, should we call it, uh, most reminded me of was a taser. It kind of looks like a taser or maybe something that you scan barcodes with at the supermarket. One of the two. But yeah, you point and, and you press a button on it and, and you're zapping cookies in the environment, basically. And... I was impressed because it's not just 3D screens that you're going in between. There's also animatronics, uh, which work pretty well. And there are parts where it almost resembles more of a kind of motion simulator. Like there's a bit where Grover gets kind of snagged on the front of the vehicle and you kind of accelerate, quote unquote, off down this corridor and burst into different rooms at what appears to be high speed. And the, the, the sensation is pretty convincing. It actually works really well. And the animatronics are great. There's, uh, there's one in the queue. Uh, with Grover, uh, I think it's Grover anyway, is it Grover, the blue guy from Sesame Street? I think it is. Uh, yeah, it's Grover. Yeah, I get my Muppets and the Sesame Street guys mixed up sometimes. But 
Yeah, the animatronics on the ride too are really good. There's a big bird, for example, and there's a few. I think the count is an animatronic. Uh, to be honest, at, at points it was hard to tell who was an animatronic and who was on the screen. Big Bird was 100% an animatronic, though. You can't do that guy justice if you just put him on a screen, really. And then, like all these rides, it throws up your score at the end. I'm delighted to announce that on the three-person car I was in, me, a small child, and the small child's dad, I won. So... That's my badge of honour for this particular theme park trip. I beat a small child and his dad at the Sesame Street shoot 'em up. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that ride so much. I did indulge in the gift shop afterwards and bought a Cookie Monster cap and matching T-shirt. So yeah, I mean, I was very tempted by a hoodie in there, but it was north of 40 euro. And I was like, ah, I can get the cap and the t-shirt for less than that with plenty of money left over to go and get my lunchtime hot dogs so couldn't quite justify it and the only other things of note and i did do another live stream in the park today not quite as long only about half an hour but i did try and show off parts of the park that i didn't show off on the first day's live stream so do go again i'll put it in the show notes or you can head on over to our youtube channel to find that so yeah the only other things of note was that i did do shambhala again tried the single rider line a pretty miserable experience to be honest they, they they don't seem to manage the single rider lines here particularly well unless you get very lucky and it's a super super short single rider line they don't get too many single riders on per per train so Shambhala still took a while and uh, I was though pretty relieved to have done it to be honest because it was even better than the first time it, it was a bit windier so it, it, it felt faster somehow and I don't know why, but I feel like the airtime was better as well. I do think airtime is something that can vary a little bit on these hyper coasters, I think is the technical name for these. And I, I yeah, I just felt like this was a, it felt crazier. It felt wilder than it did on day one. So I was pleased to do it again. And I also discovered a section of the park called the Angkor section of the park, which is, it looks incredible. It, it looks kind of like Mayan ruins almost. Uh, like something straight out of Indiana Jones. Uh, but there's only one thing in there, where there's a gift shop, and the gift shop accompanies this ride, which is like a splash boat battle ride, basically. There's, I think, eight people per boat just going along this sort of very slow-moving course, shooting water cannons at one another. I didn't really see the appeal. Maybe if you were there in a bigger group, it would be more appealing. But it looked great, like, scenery wise it was fantastic and that is why that is where i chose to start today's live stream because i thought hey this looks genuinely really great so yeah that was uh that's going to do it, i think for today's dispatch i've touched on everything new that i did but as i say we'll go into more detail about the main park and ferrari land on a full trip report in fact that will be the last thing i do mention because i did hope to go back to ferrari land again today so just to remind you, Port Aventura, at least right now, while I'm here, opens at 10, closes at 6. Meanwhile, Ferrari Land, which is this tiny park next door, there's two entrances. There's an entrance for people who are already in the main park, and then there's an entrance for people who haven't got into either of them yet. Uh, that opens at 4 in the afternoon and closes at 10. I bought a two-day ticket, and I thought it was a two-park ticket. Turns out it was only a two-park ticket for one of the days. So having gone into Ferrari Land... On day one, the ticket wouldn't work today to go back in there. And yes, it's in the small print. I didn't read the small print. Hands up, 
my fault, but also, I don't know, I don't think, I think most people would read the two-day ticket that I got as being something that gets you into both parks on both days. So, I mean, maybe I'm just being really, maybe I'm being wrong about that uh, and, and others would, would feel differently, but it, to me at least it seemed like that's what I was buying. So do be aware of that. There's a top tip for you because I did want to go back in there. There were a couple of rides that I wanted to do that I didn't get done yesterday because I thought I'd be going back in. So that was a bit of a shame, but we live and learn and maybe I will one day be back at Port Ventura and be able to mop up the stuff I didn't get done, including, of course, the new Uncharted ride when that opens in June. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that, I am sure, on the Trip Report episode uh, once I've done a bit more research. Uh, but from the little I've heard, it sounds like it could be uh, a real showstopper so far as Port Ventura rides go and something a bit different for the park. But yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you very much for listening. As I said, there are links in the show notes to the Twitter thread and the YouTube live stream. There'll be a full trip report to come on the podcast feed to make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And there's loads of other Port Ventura content as well on our various social feeds. You can find all of those at links.parkrush.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Stay safe and take it easy out there. We'll be back on Monday with your regularly scheduled Park Rush podcast. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>